Welcome to a new episode of the Superpowered Fancast. This is Darren. So I know it's been a while since the last episode with Gavin Scott, and I hope you all checked it out and enjoyed it. But I'm back with a new episode and a new guest. Now, one of the in- entertainment's greatest assets are voice actors, the men and women behind the animated characters that you love. They have the unenviable task of bringing characters to life and infusing them with all the emotion and personality that you expect from on-camera talent, and they do so with the hope that talented animators can bring that emotion and personality to life visually. Now, one of the biggest animated series in the last 20 years has been the smash hit Nickelodeon series Avatar The Last Airbender, and I was lucky enough to get to talk to one of the stars of that series, Michaela Jill Murphy. She played Toph Beifong in the series, and her performance made her one of the most dynamic and popular characters on the show. Michaela is also a writer and director as well, and has recently teamed up with the social media app Hypespace for a series of challenges that reward your creativity with actual prizes. Now, as a side note to anyone watching the episode on my YouTube channel, I used a green screen during my interviews and was not entirely mindful of the color sweater I was wearing, so the floating head moments were not scripted. Uh, with that out of the way, here's my interview with Michaela Jill Murphy. Uh, Michaela, thank you for, for being on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Of course. Thank you for having me. Well, um, the first question I want to ask, because I'm, I absolutely love speaking to, to voice actors, because what you all do is so, um, is so amazing, because you have to bring like emotion and everything to a character that's going to be like uh, created later uh, visually. So what made you interested in, uh, in voice acting or in entertainment at, at all as a career? Yeah, I, I started pretty young. Uh, I started acting when I was five. So I've always been kind of performative. Um, I loved playing dress up. I loved singing and traipsing around the house, like singing along to Phantom of the Opera cassette tapes, which yes, cassette tapes, that ages me. Uh, and so I, I've always kind of had that performer bug um, for sure. And I think voice acting kind of hooked on earlier because I had a little bit of... Um, I guess, confidence issue, a little bit of anxiety when I was in the room for auditions. Uh, if I didn't get a lot of positive reinforcement from the director or from the casting people, whatever, I just thought that they didn't like me and I got really, really insecure. So um, it it kind of worked out well, because then in voiceover, you're in a little bit of a booth and kind of in your own cocoon. So I was able to relax and fully be myself and let my personality come through. Um, And with voice acting, uh, if you're a kid, as long as you take good direction and you can read scripts cold, because sometimes they have to change stuff, you know, day of or, you know, something like that, and you don't have time to like go through and work on it. um, Those two things are very helpful. And I also happen to have a clear tone at the time. So that makes it easier to kind of edit into things instead of like having the rasp and, you know, this sort of thing. If you're like really clear toned, like that's something that's easy to edit in. So it all kind of just worked out really well for me to start in voice acting after I'd done a few commercials. Um, I was just more comfortable in the space. And uh, yeah, and I mean, I did, I did read well. So that that was very helpful when it comes to the script part. But um, yeah, as I've gotten older, I'm more comfortable with the in-person stuff. And I do love musical theater. And, you know, I'm, I'm working on trying to be in tv somehow and on screen again uh so you know as i've gotten older that's that's built up a little bit but for you know five six year old me the booth definitely helped with with the confidence so that's kind of why i got started in voice acting (laughs) 
I got you. And, and along those same lines, um, uh, I know you've probably been, been asked this before, but um, where do you, as a voice actor, even as, as an actor in general, just kind of draw, um, where do you draw the way you want to present a character or create a character if you're, let's say, not necessarily in in a scene with another person or if you're just in a booth by yourself? Like, how do you kind of create the 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 character that you want to portray and, and how it's going to play against other characters? Yeah. Um, it's, everybody has a different process. Some people are very, very involved. They think about motivations and, and like intention of the scene and backstory and stuff like that. And maybe I should do a little bit more of that, but I, I typically just kind of have a gut reaction based off of either the dialogue or if they do send kind of character art, which, you know, sometimes we get that ahead of time, which is always a perk. Mm. Um, I almost just like feel like what would their attitude be? What would their voice be just based off of looking at them? So if they're like a big fluffy, you know, hippopotamus, what would that sound like as opposed to maybe like a little tiny bird with like spiking hair or something? I don't know. I just like, I kind of like the visual aid um, if I do have it. And if the dialogue is is really sassy, if the dialogue is very muted. Um, yeah, I don't know. I kind of just go with a gut reaction. I feel like growing up being super performative and, and reading lots of books, I just have kind of a reservoir of like different characters where they're like super excited and ready to be here. Or they're like a very relaxed teenager who like doesn't want to be at work right now. Like it just like depends on, you know, kind of the vibe of the moment. Um, so that's kind of a, a bit of a chaotic method maybe because I just kind of feel it in the moment and then I try to polish it a little bit. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, that's how I do it. <laughs> I got you. And uh, you recently did a, uh, a, a short film, uh, Stalgia, am I pronouncing that correctly? Yeah. Kind of like a nostalgia. Gotcha. So kind of yeah <laughs> yeah so, and you both you know you, well not both but you you wrote directed and, and starred in it and what kind of did you feel was the difference between um I guess kind of wearing all the hats on that but also trying to uh, create the character within it and just and how you're directed in other projects I definitely had to that that project was very much me working with and moving past my perfectionism because um, nothing is is necessarily great the first time uh, especially when you're creating a script when you're doing your first project when you're you know directing whatever uh, and so it was kind of a a quarantine project of let me just write something short they also, you know, one of the things many writers will tell you is to write what you know. So I was like, let me just write something very close to home, very simple, short, not worry about trying to create these complex arcs and anything like that, because I just I needed to just finish it. So it was nice because I finished a project. I wrote, you know, my 13, 14 pages. I had a couple of friends um, who helped me be in it and, you know, record it and then I had to find an editor and a color grader and one of my friends from college is a composer so I had him make some original music so I was just going through the steps of actually doing the thing mm. um which was great and of course the whole time there were still the little voices of like you know this is fine it's a cute little story but it's you're not doing anything legendary and I was like but that's the point I'm just doing a project for the sake of doing a project um and 
it was definitely crazy kind of hopping back and forth of like, okay, we're waiting for the sunlight because it was weirdly windy yesterday. So we have to redo this, this scene and then I'm going to set it up and check the lighting and then go stand in front of the camera and then run back and make sure it looks good. So, you know, it was, it was fun. Um, definitely crazy. I can't, well, actually I can, uh, for a second, I was like, I can't imagine doing that on a larger scale, but on a larger scale, you usually have more people, um, and a bigger budget. So actually I can't imagine it. It'd be kind of nice to have some controlled lighting, um, instead of just waiting for the weather to cooperate. So yeah, it was very, very educational and definitely different than, you know, a lot of commercial work, voiceover work, and especially, you know, theater work, live performance is totally different too. Um, but it was just nice to actually finish a thing and go through all the steps of actually making it happen. So. Yeah, that's going to be like my my next uh, question. Did that experience ignite you or inspire you to kind of to either do it again or maybe focus on writing or directing or just being in front of the camera? Yeah, I definitely, I definitely was a little tired afterwards. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, because we ended up submitting it to a couple of festivals and uh, dealing with with some submission like essays and descriptions and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, it it made me realize that I'm definitely, <clears throat> excuse me, that I'm definitely not. Uh, I don't know. I, I guess like the editing side of things, the tech side of things, when it comes to color grading and that sort of thing, is so not my wheelhouse, mm -hmm. like at all. Um, so I'm very grateful for people who are good at those things and who enjoy them because I was like, can somebody else like edit this? I can give notes, but like this is so not my, my thing. So it definitely made me appreciate those aspects a lot more. Um, I do appreciate and enjoy like directing. Like that was kind of cool to just have a say. I'm very opinionated, very similar to my character in Avatar. Um, so I always have thoughts on things. Sometimes I don't share those thoughts, but if it's if it's welcome, I will very much share my opinion. Uh, so that was kind of cool to just be able to be the one to call the shots. That was neat. Um, and the fact that I could, you know, make adjustments to the script last minute be like, just kidding, we're scrapping this line, actually, you know, say this instead, or like do, you know, a, a shift in, in the order of how things are said, you know, that sort of thing. It was just nice having control. That was very cool. So uh, I did end up majoring in screenwriting in college. So I've, I've been kind of interested in the story creation for a bit. Um, and that's part of the reason why I just wanted to finish a project because I have this like, oh, I must create this grand story. Everything I write must be prolific and whatever. Uh, and I was like, just write a short thing and get it over with. Then you can worry about prolific later. So um, it was a good kind of show that like, hey, you wrote a thing. It turned out well. It was cute. Um, you do it again, but or you know, work on work on your big grand story now. But uh, at least I, I kind of worked through the motions of it. Um, for practice, which is always helpful. So, I got you. You brought up um, Avatar: The Last Bender um, earlier. What was, well, I guess, to say like, what, what did you enjoy about, I guess, cre creating the character of Toph and and uh, how, and especially the the impact that the series has had uh, on fans. Like, what's what's some of your favorite uh, elements of both the character and uh, her impact? Yeah, she uh, she was very easy to to voice. I think part of the magic of of the series is that nobody really knew that we were creating this very popular thing that people were going to fall in love with. Um, so it was very natural. Nothing was too orchestrated. I never felt like any of my co-stars 
or myself were ever like making a character. We were just kind of bringing them to life in, in a very organic way. So um, that was kind of one of the nice things and probably one of the reasons why I booked Toph is that I just dug into my tomboy side, my tough side. You know, I kind of shut off the side of my brain that did like to wear heels and like wear pretty dresses, like go out and whatever. And I dug into the like barefoot in the backyard running around chasing squirrels, like enjoy climbing trees. Like that was the side of my personality that Toph stemmed from, you know? Um, so she was just a, kind of a great reminder that like, I don't know, that that side of me was very much normal uh, and kind of a space to just be comedic about it with all of her blind jokes and, you know, the the hygiene jokes with, you know, healthy coating of of earth, you know, just, just stuff like that. So, um, it was very natural. I didn't, I didn't really make her anything. I just kind of showed up and dug into my, my tomboy side. And, uh, speaking of, um, again, uh, talking about the character, but also the fandom. So you're working with, with hype space on, uh, on challenges and one that you've already done is the, the uh, reenact like your favorite bending scene. Like, how did um, how did you get involved with with hype space for one? And it, did you feel that this was a way that you could uh, uh, connect with the fandom better, or give the the fandom a better way to to interact with the the character? Like, what? Uh, uh, how did you how did you get involved with hype space? Yeah, hundred percent. I definitely feel like it's kind of a, a good way to to connect with fans, but. Um, they, they reached out to me and a couple of other, you know, companies and, and people and things have reached out and been like, hey, we want to like work with you. Um, but Hypespace just seemed to make sense. I really liked the positive aspect of the app where you can, you know, only clap positively on submission videos. Um, there's no commenting or like downvotes or anything like that. So it's very much like a safe and supportive um, space to, to interact. And uh, the fact that it's that it's challenge based, so that there's kind of a an intention to being there. So it's it's a challenge based app. The only thing on the app are challenges. You can either make your own or submit to ones that already exist. Um, and so it's just very active. It's activity based instead of just like consumer based, if that makes sense. And of course, you can go through and watch, you know, everybody's submissions, and you can you know clap on your favorite ones. Um, yes, but it just feels a little more interactive as opposed to just you know, you sit there and you like it and nothing happens. Um, and this one is just kind of cool because you do get prizes, you know, sometimes there's cash prizes, sometimes there's like autographed things. Um, and, you know, there are different levels of, I guess, of user. So since it's so new, it's still growing. There are different like influencers or maybe cosplayers or like actors like me, um, or it can just be a user at home on a Tuesday who wants to just make a cooking challenge for fun and be like, what kind of macaroni do you make? I don't know. Um, it's just, you know, activity-based things are, are nice because I feel like it's so easy to get sucked into watching TV or kind of just sitting around and scrolling. And, um, you know, it's nice to kind of get up and have something to do. But like you said, it, it felt great to kind of include a lot of Avatar fans in maybe doing a bending challenge. Right now we're, we have kind of like a Halloween challenge going on uh which isn't necessarily avatar related but definitely could be you know if you wanted to carve something on a pumpkin that's avatar related or maybe you cosplay for your costume on halloween or something like that but um 
you know, it's just, it's a fun way to interact with people who, who want to do activities. So yeah, coming up in November, we actually have like a scene, a little scene challenge where you can pick your favorite moment, your favorite monologue, your favorite scene and kind of reenact it with a friend um, or just give a dramatic reading to the camera, whatever. It's a little bit of an acting challenge, I guess. Um, but yeah, that's why, that's why I liked it. It just seemed like positive, seemed like a good way to kind of engage Avatar fans and um, yeah. Yeah, some of the things I've noticed uh, about the app and when you talked about the, the positive aspects of it is, is that it's definitely because it is uh, creativity based, it doesn't kind of fall, it doesn't fall into, you know, the, the, the social media trap of people just, you know, commenting on, on things It actually, you have to actually get involved and do something. And I, I think that's great. It was there. Um, I was reading about like the spooky spirit challenge that you had yes. <laughs> uh, coming up. And uh, did you want to talk about the prizes or I can talk about the prizes? Because I think that is another great element of, yeah. of the app is that you can actually win things um, and it's mm -hmm. based on your creativity. Exactly. Yeah, the creativity thing is nice too, especially in a world that's very trendy where you kind of just copy a dance or you copy a thing. This one very much encourages you to actually just do your own thing and that will be, you know, applauded. <laughs> Um, so yeah, for the spooky spirit challenge, uh, it's just, you know, a video of whatever your, your favorite thing is, how you get into the spirit and, uh, first, second, and third place will get 200, $150 respectively. And the way that you win is you just get the most claps from kind of the, the audience, the world. So I don't pick them. Um, it's very much just kind of user picked in one sense. You can go back and clap on, on the videos every day. Uh, it's not like you just get one and then and then it's done for forever. So you can come back and if you're like really in love with one, uh, you can keep giving it some love. And yeah, that's also the kind of the cool thing too is it's not based on who's creating the the challenge. It's up to kind of the public just to, to show love to kind of their favorite submissions. Um, so it's not, you know, no nepotism can really occur. <laughs> yeah, it's audience-based, so like- Yes, exactly you're involved with it and then you know the the flip side is is that he, being involved in it can encourage you to start doing it so mm -hmm. yeah for sure but um as far as like your your acting or writing or directing are there any other projects you have coming up that you that you want to talk about that you want to um yeah. get people excited for yeah i uh, i just finished up working on a video game can't tell you what it is, but uh, it's coming out hopefully in, in the spring. Um, I'm a, a main character in it, which is very exciting. So that's that's coming out. So keep your eyes peeled if, if you want to kind of follow me online. I'll obviously be posting bunches about it whenever it finally comes out. Um, and then aside from that, this one is a little harder to, to see or watch, but I'm working on a, a TV pilot. Um, this would technically be my first one, but I'm hoping to to kind of create a pitch document and and try pitching it to places in the spring. So um, I'm very uh, behind on where I want to be uh, on it at the moment, but yeah, I'm I'm working on that. Hopefully, I'm going to have it kind of done by the end of December, and then I can make some you know, little polishing fixes here and there, uh, and then hopefully. I don't really know how this works, but I'm going to be figuring it out. Uh, hopefully, like showing it and pitching it to people and places, and, and hopefully it gets made. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll see. So yeah, writing just finished up the video game. I'm still auditioning for lots of voiceover projects um, and answering lots of emails, creating challenges on Hype Space, 
and traveling to anime conventions. That's and playing with my dog. That's my life. <laughs> well, I was going to ask, like, what uh, what conventions do you have coming up um, that you're going to be at? Yeah, I'm going to be at one in Woodlands, Texas. Um, I'm going to be at one in Indianapolis, Indiana, Fanboy Expo. Uh, and then I'm going to be in Anime Pasadena. I'm going to be at Anime Dallas. And then I think it's called Cosplay Expo in Las Vegas. So yeah, those are the five I have left um, this this year. And then there's a, a couple more. I'm going to be at SAC Anime in January, Momocon next May. Um, yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> That's, that's, that's a lot going on. Uh, cool. <laughs> yeah. uh, I did want to uh, want to ask, like, um, did you do you have a like, kind of like a dream uh, voiceover performance you would like to do or like a dream project or like company you'd like yeah. to, to work for? I mean, what kind of what would that be? I would love to, I have two things on my list. I mean, obviously, anybody, wherever, whoever wants to hire me, I will gladly yes, uh, say yes. But um, I would love to be a part of like the Sailor Moon world somehow. That was like my very, very first kind of anime. I used to have like these little comic books of them and I was like obsessed. Um, so I just think that would be cool. And then I would love to voice a Disney princess one day. Oh. I don't know if or when or what, but it's just, it'd be a cool, cool thing to do. So that's on the list. If anybody needs needs a, a singing maiden <laughs> running through the trees with birds um that you know they're they're kind of expanding what being a princess means which is also cool so maybe toph is a princess <laughs> let's make toph a princess i'm just kidding <laughs> yeah, no, but they but there's so many different ways that, that animation is expanding and changing yeah. and, so, and it's going from the the classics that we that we grew up on to to new and different types so there's always there seems to be always a, a place for for everything so yeah so it's it's possible we'll see we'll see but i think that'd be really cool gotcha. so if you wanted people to follow you on a on a social media um where would they where would they find you at so i am on hypespace and instagram my username is the same it's at michaela mostly so that's Michael with an A on the end and then M-O-S-T-L-Y because it's mostly me. Ha ha ha. See how clever I am. Um, and, um, yeah, if you do, just as a side note, if you do download Hypespace, use the referral code TwinkleToes, all lowercase, one word. Um, it's on the App Store and Google Play. You can download now and submit to the Hallow the Halloween Spooky Spirit Challenge if you want. Um, and I'm also on TikTok, which is just my full name, Michaela Jill Murphy. That one was not the same. I don't know why, but I just decided to make it my full name. So there you go. <laughs> but yeah, that's where you can find me. Well, Michaela Jill Murphy, thank you so much uh, for being on Superpower Fancast. I really appreciate it. You are so welcome. Thank you for having me. And keep your knees high, Twinkle Toes. <laughs> Once again, I want to thank Michaela Jill Murphy for being on the Fancast this week. Hypespace is available on the iTunes App Store and the Google Play Store. Um, if you're looking for other voice acting work from Michaela, uh, check out the check out Platinum N. It's a uh, anime series on Crunchyroll. It's really great. You should definitely check it out. As always, you can find the latest news and reviews, um, comic book, movies, television, on my website www.superpoweredfancast.com. Uh, you can always email me, superpoweredfancast at gmail.com if you have any questions, uh, concerns, or 
things you want to talk about or would like me to talk about. And you can always follow me on Twitter at SuperpoweredFan. You can also find me at SuperpoweredFan on Instagram. So that's it for this episode of the Superpowered Fancast. This is Darren, signing off.